Hi, and welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. This week on the show, we have Paul Papadimitriou, founder of Intelligentsia. Technotopia is brought to you by Typewriter. Typewriter is your on-demand editor, and their amazing team of writers will make your book chapter, blog post, or email shine. Typewriter editors come from places like TechCrunch, Gizmodo, and the New York Times, and they offer low bulk rates for longer work. Check it out at typewriter.plus. That's typewriter.plus. Welcome back to another episode of Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have a good friend of mine, Paul uh, Papadimitriou. He's a founder of Intelligentsia, and you just came back from vacation. You're very relaxed, Paul, and now you're ready to tell us all about the future, right? Oh, yeah, the future looked like pasta and sun and, you know, ah, uh, well, Italy it was. So, so that's, an interesting, that's an interesting thing. So, so one of the, one of the uh, folks that we talked to earlier on the show, uh, their idea of the future was that the entire world would just be pasta and sun and, and nice coffees and cafes and everything. And that's what the future looks like for, for all of us in, I guess, the developed world. What do you think? Do you think that's, uh, that's even feasible? I'm not certain. I mean, it's very interesting that you mentioned the developed world because that's the big divide, right? But mm-hmm. uh, I'm not absolutely certain that people would like that. I mean, we all love that, but after like two weeks of holidays, you want to come back to something that is more, you know, engaging for your mind. I mean, sure. not everyone, obviously. I mean, you know, we're privileged. Maybe you mean some other people are privileged who have jobs that we like, mm-hmm. and, you know, engaging stuff, and some others don't. So obviously, they might be more. You know, people that don't like their jobs or they don't like what they do, they would like to be in Italy, you know, 365 days a year. But I'm not sure that's how it's going to play out. So first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do uh, on a daily basis and then we can get back into that question. <laughs> oh, well, I troll Facebook no, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> and I travel in airplanes. Uh, no, I, I, I'm a consultant. It's boring, uh, but I do... Uh, you know, help companies with their journeys. Basically, you know, you know. I, I don't know if you know the guy called um, Ove Arab. He was a civil engineer, created a company called Arab, and uh, he was this proponent of total design. Total design. So, you know, architects have to work with engineers, and everything has to come together. They created the uh, the famous Opera House in Sydney. Uh, I do the same. On mm-hmm. I've tried to do the same for corporations to say, okay, everything you do has to be a full on you know, package, you cannot just focus on product, cannot just focus on human interaction, you have to build a full journey. This is why I call it a journey. So I've done, I've sold smartphones in China, I've sold beers and I helped sell beers in, in Europe. I, I do kind of stuff. And I do work a little bit with startups, that's how we met each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I invest in startups, and I, but it's not an income. I, I do the same kind of thing, I help them, but usually I don't charge for that. Okay. And, and yeah, a lot, a lot Lots lately, lots of lots of uh, clients are in the airline industry for some reason. Maybe because I'm often in planes, so they kind of like to talk to me. Okay, so we got so we got a few so we got a few starter points. So let's let's go back to this idea where the world becomes uh, where the world becomes flat in a way that makes it very very pleasant for the developed world. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's possible? Do you think that's the way forward? Uh, I don't think it's a way forward because. 
I mean, you cannot just divide the world in two or whatever and say, oh, the developed world will have one future and the rest won't, won't have it. Plus, it's even more complicated because in the developed world, whatever you want to call it, the West or anyway, uh, we have the same type of divides that exist already. So mm -hmm. I don't think that, you know, if you look at the history of science fiction movies, you will see that every movie was kind of, you know, every era had its own, you know, movie about, and the current one was what, Elysium about the income inequality. Uh, I, I'm not saying the income inequality is by definition something that will stay f with us forever, but that's still a concern and that's still something that uh, that questions us. And I don't think that uh, without answering that question will lead to a world where everybody eats, you know, pizza and that's mm -hmm. fun on the sun. <laughs> I, but you know, then again, I'm a very, you know, I want to, because when I say that, then you like, Paul, you're, you sound like someone who's a pessimist. No, I'm not. On the contrary, I think it's, we live in a fantastic era. It's, there's a lot of stuff that happens that makes me, makes me very hopeful about the future. I'm a, and I'm a starch, stench optimist. I believe in the future. But, you know, these kind of, you know, utopia and dystopia sell very well. You know, it's either the future is going to be so bleak that everybody going to, everybody's going to be fucked or it's a circle jerk theory on one, uh, the, uh, the other side of your Silicon Valley. Everybody's connected and will have a huge group, group hug and will be very happy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and both sides, you know, play very well because they sell very well. We like to have simple value props. So on one side, you have the robots going to take over and, you know, the, the end of capitalism, this is a bit what Mozarov is saying. On the, other, on the other hand, you have this kind of everybody's going to go to, you know, mindfulness and meditation retreats and think about <laughs> the future. And that's the Silicon Valley circle jerk. I think, you know, the reality is somewhere in between. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world tomorrow. It's not going to be like a Star Trek either tomorrow. But we can make it, we can make the world, at, you know, a good place. It's already a good place. We're making it a, a better place. Not for everyone. And that's okay. the thing. The, the thing. That's you know. I think if you look at the big picture, I just mentioned over Europe had a totally designed a total world. It's becoming better, but for some people in that world, it's not clearly. And it's because you know pie has become bigger, but not as fast as big as it should be, or for everybody to enjoy it. I mean, if you've seen mm -hmm. the China and India, and you know the basically entire emerging countries have been rising super fast, people out of poverty, less, you know, health issues. I mean, it's not great yet, but I mean, it's going the right direction. Okay. And obviously in the West, because we've been, we've been the ones disrupted. We had everything good for us. And then, yeah, it's not that great for some people. And I don't say that, you know, without any condescendence, I'm just saying that we have to figure that out. So that's why I'm not thinking that we'll all eat pizza. I mean, I hope so. But. <laughs> yeah, and that would be nice, right? So I guess the, so you've, you've done, you've done loads and loads of travel. Uh, yeah over the past, even the past decade. So what has, what has changed in the world uh, since you started, you started your heavy-duty travel? Oh, well, I mean, of course, the big one, uh, it's a bit more than 10 years. It's 25 in Europe. Mm -hmm. and it's a deregulation of airline industry, which basically now you can, you can fly for the, for the price of cab fare. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people complain about that because, you know, we have, like, less legroom and, you know, planes are late and whatever. Again, if you look at the overall picture, what I like is that we can all travel and it's democratic. And I mean, pretty much everyone can travel. You can fly from, there was a flight, I think it was from Manila to the Philippines to some, somewhere in China for like $5 or something. I mean, <laughs> okay, it was, that was a promotion or whatever. But I mean, it looks, it means that everybody can actually do it. 
our parents or even our grandparents were not able to just, you know, the world was so small for them. Uh, and, you know, they, they would hear on the radio about some celebrity uh, mention John Biggs and would say, oh, like, who that's, who's that guy? And now mm -hmm. they can actually take the plane and meet you. I, I find this pretty pretty amazing. And the fact that, you know, the wall has fallen down and then you, I mean, you've been to Central and Eastern Europe uh, and the same thing happens. I mean, some countries are still bleak, but... You see, like this energy, and people are trying new stuff, and they're becoming entrepreneurs. I'm not saying entrepreneurs going to save the world, but you know, there's a chance for more people than it used to be. You know, and I and I find out if you look, it's not only my 10 years, but if you look at the past 50, 70 years, it's, it's pretty amazing. In my 10 years, in your 10 years, John, because per, per similar age, yeah. what has what has changed? Well. Probably, you know, the hopes of many to become entrepreneurs. A lot of it has been dashed, maybe. <laughs> you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's the reality about being entrepreneurs. But people are, what I like is the energy of people think that they can do something and they actually do it. You know, it's, uh, it's beyond I'm getting what we did in the, we, not us, but our parents maybe did in the 60s, where we were demonstrating and changing the values. It's, it was, we are the children of that and very happy to have like more liberties because of that. But current generation can, not all of them, but can, and tries to actually make things happen, not only by demonstrating, but also by taking control, because it's possible. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's pretty nice to see, actually. I like that. I like that energy. Okay. Don't you? I think so. I mean, so, so, so that's, that's one of the points. Like, one of the, one of the points of this, this podcast is to say the world isn't, uh, the world isn't going to, to pot. The world isn't destroying <laughs> itself. The world is actually is getting better. So the, so the mission here is to talk about how it's, how it's getting better. Um, what I mean, look, look. Uh, one of the women's rights, right? You know, uh, gender equality, whatever you want to call it. I mean, mm -hmm. you have certain terms in the U.S. You use others elsewhere, but I mean, look at I don't know the movie Gospel Stories. Without everybody, a lot of people were like complaining about it. It's pretty cool that you have heroes, female heroes. I mean, there's something that you know is still rare, and that's a problem because. But that for me, it shows that there is a, a change in values. Mm -hmm. And we've been changing so fast. Our our perception of you know gay rights, our perception of of drugs, a perception of a lot of stuff. If you look at the history, I mean, you guys in the U.S. have been changing fast, but all over the rest of the world, we're changing super fast. Our perceptions, and this is it makes us hopeful. I think I, I don't know if you have kids, but it makes you hopeful. If you have daughters, especially, I mean, it would make me hopeful to see that these kind of things, the so women's rights, poverty, for instance, of course, opportunity, you know, like, uh, because you're, you're living in the US, I live in London, uh, Simone Manuel, she just, you know, she just won that, mm -hmm. that uh, swimming competition in the Olympics. Remember, remember, guys, I think, was it in the 50s or whatever, where there were like people throwing acid in the swimming pools in the US? I mean, we've gone pretty far. Of course. <laughs> and it's great. And, you know, it's, it's not only... You know, the flights that you can take for a cab fare, the fact that we all have iPhones and what's not, and we can do stuff. It also that it changes the values of people. It, it changes the way we perceive the world. And that's pretty, pretty amazing, I think. I don't know. It's, it's not, I'm not saying it's not riskless. I mean, there are risks. Mm -hmm. And a lot of issues exist. You know, income inequality is a problem, I think. You know, a lot of people say, are we going back to the world of masters and servants like pre-1930s or something? Yep. Not sure. Uh, meaning we have to still, you know, there's no, I think people who say history repeats itself, it are a bit, it's a bit of a lazy statement. Yes, to some extent, it teaches you that you have to be careful and that in, for that I agree, we have to be careful not to repeat some of the past mistakes. But history doesn't freaking repeat itself. We didn't have like iPhones like 50 years ago. <laughs> we didn't have the same 
you know, we didn't even have nuclear bombs either like 70 years ago. I mean, it was. So we have to be mindful of the future. There, there's a Greek author. I mean, you know it in the U.S. because he was, he, did, uh, he was the author of the, the second coming of the crowd. Whatever, whatever, the, you know, remember that movie where they were burning down movie theaters in the U.S.? The second, the resurrection? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, he wrote last, last temptation of Christ. Yeah, uh, that's thank you. And he wrote all as well, you know, Zorba the Greek and other. And he says in one of his books, he says every perfect traveler always creates the country where they travel. And you know, basically that's what we do. Every perfect human, you, we create the future where we want to travel. So the future is not written. I mean, it's up to us to a certain extent. Not that you and me individually can do, but we can mm -hmm. do stuff. And kids will do stuff. And if there's another, there's a book. I don't know if you've ever read Bill Bryson, a short, a short story of nearly everything. Yep. Uh, we recounts the history of humankind. Like, and you look at how many times we were so close to extinction and so many fuck ups we did, and we're still here. We're freaking resilient. So you know, this, the future don't doesn't suck. <laughs> I don't think it does, honestly. Some stuff. Do, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're afraid of some stuff as well. Uh, I think we have to ask ourselves more questions. You know, the big question of, uh, sorry, I babble. The big question of our time is, uh, I think, you know, this everybody talks about exponential, you know, pace of technology, whatever. Sure. And it's, will the exponential escape velocity give a forever advantage to some? I mean, if you're rich and you can buy you know, more years of your lifetime because of CRISPR or whatever, or, you know, access to certain nanotechnologies like you get into your brain, it makes you smarter. If that is if that is only allowed to you know the developed world first, it may be in that they will put to, to those who have the means. Does that give like a forever advantage to some? Yeah, well, that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Of course, uh, but will we have like robots that will turn against us? I'm not. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that yeah, the question is how do you how do you prepare how do you prepare for a world when technology is going to be really really impressive uh, yeah, right now exactly. right now right now everybody can have a cell phone basically yeah. everybody can have some sort of cell phone okay. uh, soon we're going to be in a mode where not everybody can have a nanotube that goes into your brain and makes you smarter or whatever right yeah 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 exactly i mean it's it, the pace is the, the the big the big you know the big debate at which pace which i mean we, you and me were I mean, because we're early adopters of some sorts, whatever, mm -hmm. even we're older, we had iPhones or Android phones earlier than some others. It kind of gave us an advantage, not really, but if you had like nanotechnology implanted in your brain and, you know, a computer in your brain, there was an article the other day about that. If you have that already, and I don't, do you get an advantage over me? And is it because you just decided because you dared having it or is it because you had more money and were able to access the technology? That's that's kind of the ethical debates we have to have, obviously. And you have to teach our kids that. But then is the pace of technology so fast that by the time you get that technology in your brain, not less than a year later, it's so cheap that everybody can do it? Then it's not a problem. That's where, I don't know, do we trust technology? To, I don't know. To be frankly honest, I don't know. But still... Mm -hmm. It's amazing that we can, you know, I've, you know, there's gene therapy. I've, a friend of mine is has a very big problem with his eyes. He's not blind, but almost, you know, he sees very close. And he just told me that, I think it was like last week, for the first time they did, uh, they, they created cornea out of, out, out of cells. Mm -hmm. And it can, you know, cure his disease for the first time. He's also 40. I mean, when I read that stuff, of course it's expensive, of course it's still rare, of course, but it's freaking fantastic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When I hear that Tokyo 2020, the, the next Olympics, if we're talking about Olympics, not only, I mean, everybody focuses on the fact that they might have autonomous cars, you know, because everything, everybody talks about autonomous cars, which is pretty impressive to have. But they, they, they're looking at, because people, you know, I used to live in Japan, and it's true that not a lot of people 
talk English? Or how do they will, will will they solve the fact that John Biggs is in Tokyo and wants to find his way? I mean, you might have a, a computer in your brain; and you don't need to talk to anyone. But they're already thinking about you know these instant translation devices. I mean, it's this is pretty cool. It looks we live in science fiction for crying out loud. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how old your parents are. Your dad is my my mother passed away, when, but that is pretty old. He's 84. So he lived through the Second World War. He grew up in Greece. There was no television. He barely had a radio. Didn't see the sea until he was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, 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 we travel, we meet in random places around the world when we go to the same conferences and we can, you know, record a radio show on Skype or something. It's, yeah, exactly. I, come on. <laughs> I mean, people complain, but when you look at this, you're like, come on. I mean, we have, because we're privileged in a certain way, because we have access to all this, of course, we have to think about the future of our kids, the future of the people nearby us, and, you know, and try to don't, you know, just just to realize that we're privileged and how do we give back. But then again, for the rest, let's smile a little bit and let's say, wow, this is freaking impressive what we can already do. <laughs> okay. So so, we're, so we have to be, so we have to be, uh, accepting of uh, to be accepting of our of how, how things are actually great right now. Interestingly enough, exactly. What, what is, there, is there something that truly excites you yourself? Uh, for me, technology wise or value wise, or is it something that really you know? I think I've seen you- I think I've seen too much technology, which is one of the reasons why I want to do this kind of thing with you guys. Uh, why I bring people on to talk about this kind of thing because it helps me it helps me see what. Uh, everybody is thinking about right so you're so we're in a we're in a world where where technology is considered just a mess and it's going to destroy the world we're going to we're going to be burning (laughs) up we're going to all be burning up and dying soon and uh and i don't think that's true i think and i think as a as a as a father i can't allow that to happen so i'm trying to figure out what the best way to what the best way to do where what's our way forward and uh, and if and if we talk a little bit more optimistically about things uh, we can really achieve something interesting, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. Uh, I think that techno- plus, you know, technology the way that most people see see it, in, in, ourselves included, is really consumer facing technology. The stuff that we can touch, and you have they have a lot of stuff that happens in the background. And here, I'm not talking about the AI. And I mean, you've talked probably with that with many others in your podcast. But even like you know, solar technology. I think Scotland. You know, Scotland doesn't have a lot of sun. Scotland was able to basically be fully um, uh, efficient by was it wind power was of mm-hmm. course not solar but it's we doing there's stuff that happens in the background we don't see it that is pretty already amazing this is sure. not something that you can touch on your phone but you know I mentioned of course the the, the all the the gene therapy and personalized medicine is coming up but there's stuff that is that is maybe. We got overexcited by the apps and the stuff that is near. Like, like people currently are very overexcited with VR and AR. It, they will lead to stuff, I'm not saying. But what happens already today in the background, if you go to universities, UCL here in, in London and, and many others, you see there's some foundational research doing, and you can see that there's so much stuff. And, and you know what? When people say, oh, there's not going to be any jobs, you know, robots, whatever, you know, AI will kill all the jobs. Well, to a certain extent, of course it will happen. But this has already happened. You know, there are jobs that used to exist like 50 years ago that don't exist anymore. But then you have a lot of new jobs that will be created in biotech, nanotechnologies, and cybersecurity, or I don't know, anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's an easy task to undertake, but the history of at least, let's say, the past century was that every decade and 20 years, we had to 
kind of up the ante about our education system because the jobs are making more specialized and more specialized and more specialized. Well, we'll still have to go. Our kids will have to, at the same time to learn lateral stuff that allows them critical thinking and, you know, the general culture that we have. At the same time, they might have to learn, you know, very deep knowledge in some deep, you know, field that will allow them to become bioscientists or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that everybody can do it, but I'm saying I think as a society or a societies, we need to try. Okay. <laughs> because you cannot just say, oh, everybody's a truck driver. They will lose their jobs because some trucks are going to drive themselves. Yeah, great. And so I know what, you know. So, of course, I get the old universal basic income. You know, it's too early to decide, should we just make handouts? Can we not try first to teach, you know, can we try to, in all that money that we were, we were thinking about giving away, mm -hmm. away, not negatively, but should we not put it in, in education? Should we not try stuff that your kids, John, can be bioscientists tomorrow or cybersecurity specialists and whatever the education needs, they will have to go there Well, they'll have them, whether even for free, if it's a, a, a society choice, you know, it's, it's yep. possible. We can do that as humans. We've always doing, doing done stuff like that. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. All right, very cool. But we have to fight. Yes. So what? So where can people find uh, more information about you? Uh, oh, the easiest because I have this very complicated last name. So everybody, you know, <laughs> fucks it up when they try to write it down on Twitter or whatever. So I just pushed uh, live a new website. It's Paul Papa, P-A-U-L, my first name, mm -hmm. Papa, just P-A-P dot com. And then that leads you back to everything I've got, and you'll find it. So uh, paulpapa.com is where you'll find everything about me. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not the most interesting person in the world. Just well, have no. a chat. Whenever, whenever you guys are in London, I love talking about the future. You know, I was, I was at some point called a futurist, and I tried to I, – I negated that because I don't think anyone is. Maybe I'm a reluctant futurist, but I love talking about that stuff, but I mm -hmm. don't think we can – I think we, we have to create it. So thank you. Because All right, perfect. This kind of discussion is – what we need to go forward. Don't be afraid. All right, we'll talk to you soon. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week.